welcome back to the Gold Coast Frontline Podcast after a big win against the Broncos. How good is it? I'm feeling good. We're feeling good. The entire organization, club of the Gold Coast is just having a great time right now. We're two wins on the trot. We're going to be getting right amongst it today. Obviously, my name is Blaze. I'm from BKR Sport. I'm also here with Clarkie from Clarkie's Rugby League. Colin, how you doing, man? Oh, mate, after a win against the Broncos, whether we win by one point or 50 points, you just got to love it, right? And it's such a special way to cap off what started as a difficult week for the club, for the players to process what's happened, comprehend that, and then go out there and just make us all so proud as a Titans fan. I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of this club at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, obviously, uh, last week was a tough week. We've had three podcasts now in the space of a week. Uh, normally, it would just be the the two, one last Wednesday and, and now today. But obviously, we did have the emergency podcast that came out on Thursday explaining about the fact that we did lose Justin Holbrook as coach. We've got Des Hasler now coming in next year. So Jimmy Lenahan, to confirm, is our coach for the re- remainder of 2024. Uh, going into the game, obviously, you know, we had no Captain Tino that we'll get into in a little bit. And plus, there's just so much that has gone on. So obviously today, guys, we're going to be going through literally everything. The Gold Coast Frontline Podcast is is here to, to talk about everything Gold Coast. We're not here to necessarily talk about the entirety of the NRL. It might come up for points, but we're here to focus on our great club. That is the Gold Coast Titans. And uh, and yeah, we're, we're a very happy bunch. And as you would have heard at the beginning of this podcast, we did have us as we're walking up the Caxton after the win against the Bronx. And, you know, it was just a, a good time to be seeing an OV Gold Coast. And it's just, uh, it, it, it really is a... It really was a monumental victory for our fan base after such a tough week. Would you agree? Absolutely. And with Jimmy Lenahan taking over, for people that might not know too much about his background, he actually coached the Burley Bears for four years in the Intrust Super Cup and won the out once because the NRL Premiership won the Queensland Cup Premiership in two of those years. So a very very great record. Of course, we've still got Brett White there as our assistant as well. So we've still got a strong coaching base and. With how the boys performed, I am starting to feel more comfortable that finals is still within our grasp, certainly this year. Uh, but with that being said, BK, let's jump straight into it, mate. We defeat the Broncos 18-12 to at Suncorp Stadium. What a game. We'll start with you. How did you see it at the ground? What was the atmosphere like? Tell us what you are, what you witnessed there. Yeah, no, it was good, man. Obviously, there was uh, 44,000, which is a really good yeah. uh, amount of people to be to be getting. And obviously, it's school holidays right now. It was a Sunday, 2 p.m. game. It was really hot. Apparently, it was like one of the hottest June days on record in Brisbane. And, uh, you know, it was it was beautiful. You know, the sun was shining. And uh, as I said, 44,000 is, is 8,000 or 10,000 less than capacity there. But that's still a gigantic amount of people for a regular season game, especially mm-hmm. considering, you know, it is... The Titans, who haven't exactly had the best recent history, you know, usually you see those kind of games that don't necessarily bring a huge crowd out, but this one did because we all know that the the Broncos and Titans rivalry is really starting to build now, and this one's really going to help that on the Broncos side of things because they cannot cop this loss. I can tell you that right now. But yeah, in the stadium, man, it wasn't it wasn't as as hard to deal with <laughs> as last year. Obviously, you know, we won this year comparatively to the uh, throwaway in the second half from last year. So, no, it was good. You know, we, we were loud as we possibly could be uh, in the Titans away bay there. And, uh, you know, it's always always good fun to get a win away from home, let alone against the uh, bigger brother Broncos, as people do try to say there. So, yeah, no, it was uh, a great time to be alive is what I would say there. What about you, man? Yeah, well, I think I'll start with their fans. They are struggling to process this online. I've seen <laughs> Oh, you know, we won't swear on the podcast because for all ages, I've seen a lot of garbage, that's for sure. Um, we'll definitely talk about that soon, but let's start with the game itself. I thought 
it wasn't a comprehensive victory. I didn't look at that and think, oh, perfect win. We were 10 out of 10. But what I do look at it and I think with our captain unavailable, with our coach sacked three days prior and looking down the barrel of five straight losses to the Broncos, who at least four members of their team were on a high after featuring in an Origin Series win, it was tough going. And almost prouder of the team in that sense because I look at that and I think, look, in a perfect game, I've got nothing to say. 10 out of 10, we just executed and were perfect. That's not sustainable across an NRL season. You can't play perfect every week. But you can have grit. You can have effort. You can have determination every single week. And that's exactly what we had for 80 minutes there. So um, I don't know about yourself, but I absolutely love that about our performance. I think you could view it as a negative, but I almost view it as a positive. Do you view it in the same light? Yeah, look, absolutely. Like I'll go back over uh, another point in a second. But yeah, for, for sure, you know, the teams that win the premiership, this is something that is, it's, it's very clear that not every week are you going to have your best outfit, not every week you're going to have your best game, but it really tells you a lot about a team when they win, even when they're not that great. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously you need to be great on a consistent level and then have that not so great game to have this really be impactful, but the best teams do have their off days and if they can still win despite having that off day and if the other team is better uh, and, and yet they still win, it shows you a lot. Now, for us, obviously, this is a little bit different in the sense that we, we really did need to have a big game because we haven't been exactly fantastic so far this season. We've had a lot of positives, but we also have had negatives. So, you know, yeah, it was a, a really big one there. But you, you also forgot to mention that we also lost Cleese Haas late as well, who was going to be coming off the bench there. Uh, that is a big loss. He's been really starting to come into form, you know, last weekend, so two weeks ago against the Tigers. He was great to watch, and I really am starting to see the improvements from Cleese and yeah, it's uh, it, it was unfortunate to lose him, which then forced us to go with a small bench. And I did think that that small bench did work. I think that Chris Randall, Jaden Campbell, we had Jimmy Jolliffe there as well. Did Jimmy start? Did Jimmy? No, Jimmy didn't start, did he? Uh, I'm just trying to think. I, I think Jimmy did move to the starting lineup, and our bench was Jaden, Aaron Clark, Chris Randall. And I'm, I'm missing one other name there, but I will get that up for you while you finish. Yeah, look, I, the point of the matter is, is that like we did have a lot of changes going into the game that we, when we're at the ground, myself and I was with Dan and Antonio and Adam and uh, the rest of the front line there and... I was just saying, like, oh, no, this is this is kind of scary. You know, we just lost Tino. Coming off that high of origin, as you said, he's our big captain, our big leader. He makes a chunk of yardage every weekend. He puts his heart on the line uh, every single week for this club. And he's always getting the three points in our, in our system just because of how quality he does play for us. So that was a huge shock to the system. We thought, oh, no, here we go again. And then the first set for the Broncos as well, they marched up the, the middle of the field. They, they absolutely utilized every piece of that grass, and we saw at the at the end. Actually, Jimmy would have had to have started actually because uh, there was a, a hole underneath that first set where Jimmy didn't kind of get behind the marker, and you saw I think it was Billy Walters scoot on through a massive hole there, and yeah. we were terrified. We thought, okay, this is this is us done. But again, the team showed resolved, uh, resolved, sorry, and and forced a way to, to keep in it for the entirety of the first half. And then obviously the Broncos scored. And then we scored right on half time. And, and the, the last five minutes of the game, we speak like this every single week. If we score, we usually go on to win that game. If we concede, we always go on to lose that game. So that was a huge try to get right on half time. Fafita's try was so important. Without his efforts, we, we don't win that game. I think it's as simple as that. Um, another man that I've really got to single out as well. We will get to our three two ones after this, of course. But... Um, Chris Randall, just awesome yeah. in that back row. Yeah. Not not anywhere he's played before. He's always at hooker, but he, he was awesome. He had some really tough hit-ups, bumped Ezra Mam, 
See you later. I loved it. And um, just to confirm, <laughs> what's Isaac doing, Ezra? Yeah, see you later, mate. <laughs> um, and of course, Isaac was our other man on the bench yeah. there coming in um, on late notice there. So I, I completely agree with you, though. It's like the good teams learn from their losses. The great teams don't need to lose from losses. They can learn from tight wins. Mm. I think of the Panthers against that Knights game where they just got away with the field goal, even though they played horrible. You can still yep. learn a lesson. And I'm not saying we were horrible, but stats do show the Broncos were better than us in most areas. Um, we had uh, They only had seven ineffective tackles. We had 23. We had more errors. We had more missed tackles. And we gave away more ruck infringements. So uh, a lot of the time when you do you know, be negative in those areas, you are going to struggle. I guess the thing we've got to talk about as well and if any Broncos fans Don't are listening, I doubt they are, but stuff you guys. I mean, the talk... The talk Get into it, Clarky! Get into it, son! Rip the in! Talk there was some robbery here. And maybe I feel this more because I cover... I've got fan bases of every team on my mm. page and, and yourself actually to that extent. But how can people honestly claim that the Broncos robbed in this one? So we got to half time. And someone commented, Titans are only in this because of the um, because the refs are robbing the Broncos. So I commented, I said, they've got more penalties than us. They've got more set restarts. And every other stat is is pretty similar. We've got a tight game here. And that's what it reflects here, six all. <laughs> not the, and if the referee is too involved, it's actually benefiting the Broncos. Then we move to full time. And one of his friends comes in and says, you only won because you had four disallowed. We had four disallowed tries. So I said, well, which ones did you disagree with? And he couldn't name one. So I said, so what you're telling me here is the referee actually ruled in your favor and the bunker then gave us the correct call. So you're contradicting yourself. It's utter nonsense. It's it's as simple as that. The Broncos didn't play their best game. That That's for sure. The form they've shown us this year, they have played better. But what, what are we meant to do about that? We can only control what we can control. And our boys went out there and played awesome and got the win. And, and that's all that matters at the end of the day, right? Everything else is just talk and just excuses from the Broncos. The best one was... Our players were still hungover from origin. Well, we had the same amount of players involved in that camp for Queensland with three. AJ didn't play, but I'm sure he had beers at the Caxton with them. Difference was our captain didn't play. So we were actually yeah. more affected by the uh, Caxton hangover, if you will. So I don't believe it at all. I think it's nonsense. But I mean, if you've got anything further to add with the Broncos fans, please feel free to do so. Oh, you know I've got something further to add. Yeah, don't you worry I there. Yeah, yeah, I had a feeling because obviously I had to deal with them live. You know, they weren't actually as bad live as I, as I thought they'd be, except for one man who you guys would have seen on the vlog if you watched it on YouTube. There's one man at the end who really got salty because we started doing the na 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 doing their song when we won the game. But look, the first thing that I'm going to outlay here is... The fans of all teams, the general consensus fan, doesn't understand and comprehend that a penalty count being against you does not mean that you've been robbed. It could just simply mean you were ill-disciplined. And you probably were ill-disciplined. And the Broncos were making mistakes. The thing that gets me about this game is that Broncos fans are happy to say that the Broncos didn't play well. And they're happy to say the Broncos really weren't great at all. But yet they still return to saying that they were robbed in this game. Now, what call are we talking about here? Are we talking about the one in regards to David Fafita and, and getting, uh, you know, taken out? As soft as it was, it is still black and white in regards to the ruling of obstruction that they've been calling yeah. all season long. If a player gets contacted, and yeah, and people are always complaining, where's the consistency? Well, guess what, baby? They just gave you consistency. And I see that every single week. As soft as it, as it is, 
The fact of the matter is, the player has taken out the defensive line. Like, and it just is black and white. So that's why it's called as a no try. And again, we see that all the time. That is now consistent. So we can't be complaining about that. As soft as it is, as soft, and I will admittedly say, again, soft. But again, people also say, oh, Dave's never getting there. Dave also ran 80 metres and, and beat Lachlan Miller and the entire Newcastle Knights team down there in Newcastle just a few weeks ago and everyone was like, oh, there's no way that uh, he would catch uh, the Reese Walsh or whatever. The fact of the matter is, is that if you take that even inkling away from the potential of him getting there, that's where they say no try. And guess what? It was a no try. Then we go to the Corey Oates one. Corey Oates clearly knocks that ball on. Like, it's not even close. Like, Corey Oates very obviously knocks that ball on there. The Paddy Carrigan one should have been a sin bin for Paddy Carrigan if they wanted to be consistent there. You know, because he does completely lose his legs. And then they're saying David mm. Feeder faked an injury. What do you mean? The fact of the matter is, is that Paddy Carrigan completely loses his legs. Whether he slips or not, the fact of the matter is, that's his responsibility. Not everybody else's responsibility. Paddy Carrigan shouldn't lose his legs in that tackle. Now, if you want to go and talk about a confusing call here, let's go and talk about the Ezra Mann one, where he was held up. Even Broncos fans can admit, okay, no, you got, we got that one. Yeah, you got that one. Absolutely. But I would love them to go through the tries that they had disallowed and tell me which one actually was wrong and why it was wrong. Because again, the one that they're focusing on is the David Feeder one, which is black and white, Defender has been made contact by the attacker and the responsibility and the onus goes to the attacker. Another question I'll have for you because I know you'll get into it in a second is from my side, and this is me at the game, do you think that that uh, Phil Sami touches that ball before Corey Oates or do you think Corey Oates touches that ball before Phil Sami? Because for me, it's a no try to Phil Sami there or whoever ran through uh, when the ball goes up on that right-hand side of the field. Do you think that... I thought that should have been our ball. Uh, like, personally. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not sitting here complaining about it. But if we're going to sit here and try and blame referee calls, well, then I'm going to have a look at that one as well. And that's what the Broncos fans want. What's your take on that? I think it was, it's, it was one of those calls that can go either way. And I know that sounds like I'm sitting on the fence. But the reason why I offer that is because that happens over 80 minutes. And the moment as fans, you start narrowing in on those decisions, you, you're simply telling me your team wasn't good enough. Um, of course, if you're coming from the losing side and you're starting to look at those little moments because they happen multiple times throughout 80 minutes. And I just think that, yeah, if you're starting to really focus on that, you're in the wrong frame line. You're looking at the game wrong because you could be looking at so many other areas you could improve. If I can circle back to the Dave um, the Dave situation with the bunker there. Uh, I just, like, it's just very obvious, but I'll, I'll just say it. Dave's occupation is not in the NRL bunker. It's mm. just a professional rugby league player. He has no determination, no call, no say on the outcome of that. So to criticize him is, is just very, very silly. And I, I won't, I won't, this will come across as salty BKR, but let me just say, Carrigan broke Jackson Hastings' leg with a very similar tackle last year. I am a little bit surprised he was not found guilty by the match review committee. That seemed to be a textbook hip drop with the feet leaving the ground and swinging around, um, coming onto the back of an opposition's legs. To me, that indicates the hip drop crackdown is officially done, or the NRL is struggling to sell tickets for State of Origin Game 3, and they mm. want to ensure that the best players possible are there. Um, but yeah, obviously, good luck to Carrigan for the rest of this year. I'm not being salty. That's just um, personally how I've seen it. That doesn't make it correct per se, though. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't want to see plays... 
I, I don't necessarily want to see because I don't think that Paddy Carrigan is intentionally doing that. But the fact of the matter is, is that it is still a hip drop. Like it just, it, it, it is based off of what they've been cracking down on this season. So if Broncos fans want to complain about inconsistencies against them, which I still struggle to find a reason for it. Another one goes back to when Loffy kicked the ball and it went into Reese. Reese is putting his hands up like this and then it touches his hands. And the only reason it doesn't go past him is because it touches his hands. And then, mm. obviously, we score a try at halftime. How on earth are you trying to say he's not making a play at that? Like, okay, if Reese was making a tackling attempt, and you can see him r- wrapping his arms like this, then, okay, he's making a tackle. He's not playing at the ball necessarily. He's going for the tackle. But if you're putting your hands up like this, who's making the tackle like this? Like, who's putting their hand? It mm. makes no sense to me. So, Broncos fans... Obviously can't hack that they lost this game. They go back to, you know, oh, you haven't beaten us in so long. Okay, that's cool. But guess what? In the last week, we've got one win. You've got no wins. We play each other. So thanks for coming. We'll enjoy our win. And we'll keep ourselves in the hunt for the eight there. No Captain Tino. No Justin Holbrook. No problem, baby. I'll, I'll correct you. We won't enjoy that win. We will absolutely love that win, Broncos. <laughs> but if you, I mean, if you guys want to sit there and stew on potential errors from the referee... Um, you can feel free to do so, but me viewing your team as a neutral, I know you guys are better of way better performances than that. And I think that should be the focus because you guys have had some much better form this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not wishing any ill will towards the Broncos, but it was roughly at this stage last year when they started. Mm-hmm. To I keep mentioning it. Don't you worry. Should I keep mentioning that, that happen again. And they finish in, let's say fifth, they just fall out of the eight. We might finish in eighth, for example, that would set up another oh, game. Stop at it. Uh, uh, Dan, we'll, we'll you can't do it. Don't stop it, man. I, I, we'll be that... ready to go with Tino and all settled preparation. We'll be ready to go. And, and we'll see what, what referee calls matter then. And uh, if that happens, or we meet the Broncos again in the finals, I'm very, very keen because I, I know we'll be a better side with a better preparation without players backing up from origin, which they will as well. But of course, the big thing, we'll have our captain this time. So... Um, yeah, just yeah, just something I want to say here before we move on to our three, two, ones to to put a positive back onto the Titans and to stop you know uh, shutting down the Broncos fans is that the defense in this game it, it was obvious that our attack took a back seat to the defense in this game. We obviously needed it against the Broncos team that's very fast, very enigmatic, very you know pacey with with every aspect, and I, I really appreciated that a majority of it went into defense, and we saw that through getting through that first half effectively unscathed, you know. It was a pretty poor try to give up there to Tom Flegler uh, to get over. The, the hole was quite massive there. But outside of that, our defense was, was solid for the majority. And it just shows that the team does have it in them. They do have it in them. You go into the, the second half as well, and the Broncos had plenty of opportunities to to score. And by the way, you guys to have your... like to, For the Broncos fans to have their own chance. They have to have a PA announcer. I'm there. I slapped their, their personal announcer, you know, over the stadium stereo system. Like, that was ridiculous. And they're doing it. Anyway, that really annoyed me because it's just so stupid. Um, but they had so many opportunities. And yet the Titans kept defending and defending and defending and defending and defending. And we, we came over the top of them and won 18-12 there. So, yeah, very happy with the game. Very happy with how we played defensively. Obviously, attack was like lacking in that one. But... We won 18-12, so, uh, you know, back to the attack next week against Canberra, hopefully. Yeah, completely agreed. Summarise it, Broncos fans. Wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year. If we can meet you again in finals, that'd be bloody awesome. Um, and for our Titans, well done, boys. We're, we're very, very proud of you. And we'll get into our 3 2 ones right now, actually. I'll kick us off three points. No shocky. I've got to go David Feeder. I said earlier in the show, we simply don't win without him. And I've got to put an exclamation mark on that. Without his try on half time to get that momentum and that belief, 
and his try assist where he was faking dimes and I don't know, he looked like Michael Jordan in his prime out there with the, uh, the, the basketball fake over the top, mate. I loved it. Uh, a very crucial try assist. Outside of that, Dave had uh, over 100 metres and was awesome for us there. Uh, so Dave Feeder gets my three. Are you going a different way or are you going Dave as well? I'm absolutely going Dave for Feeder, man. And I'm actually going to do, a, this is going to be a little bit, uh, you know, side note. I want to actually give a big shout out to Shaley Bent because I'm a big believer. That's his That's his girlfriend, uh, by the way, for anyone who doesn't understand. Uh, I believe that Shaley Bent also plays for the Titans General W team, but... I believe that she's been a massive influence in really creating Dave Fafita to be the man that he is today. I'm a big believer in, you know, a great man can't be, you know, uh, can't be a great man without a great woman alongside him. And I think that Shaley Bent deserves a lot of uh, positive raps for being able to really uh, get Dave Fafita to be the man that he can be, mature off the field now, a lot more mature off the field now than what we've seen, you know, Broncos days and whatnot. Uh, you know, he just seems like he's got uh, his head really together and it's really translating onto the field. So really appreciative of that there. And we saw it in the game. He's so much more balanced this year, as we've said before on this podcast, that it's not just about scoring tries like it was in 2021 anymore. He knows how to defend as well. He knows how to attack. He knows how to, you know, get the the assist. He knows how to decoy. There's just everything in his game is really a lot more intelligent, in my personal opinion. And that's what we're really appreciating this year, I would say, uh, from David Fafita. So, yeah, massive shout-out to Dave, and obviously, massive shout-out to Shaylee, who I believe, personally, has really helped him uh, gigantically off the field, which is translate on the field. Now, for my two points, there's a couple here. Oh, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, for, uh, we have actually, for those listening, we have kicked off some NRLW content ideas today, and um, look forward to future episodes with our season, I think, about three or four weeks away. We'll be discussing yep. Shaylee, some of our other signings, and, and looking forward to that as well. But yeah, we've got a good women's team coming, man. We've got we've got a good women's team, but we will talk about that in future podcasts. Number two here, again, this team did so well that you could name quite a few. But I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go Chrissy Randall. I'm going to go Chrissy Randall here, and the reason being is because I think that was his clear best game uh, in a Titans jersey this season. Obviously, we've re-signed him as well into 2026 alongside Jimmy Jolliffe, alongside Sammy Verrills which obviously shows that players are still buying into this club culture. But Chrissy Randall, my goodness me, he just absolutely whacked Ezra Mam and was whacking the Broncos for the entirety of the game. I really appreciated what he was doing. He's a tackle bot, but also just had something else in his game this week that was just a massive X factor that we weren't expecting from Chris Randall. Chris Randall was bought as a replacement hooker to cover if Sam Verrills got injured. And that's exactly what he did for the majority of the season. Now Sammy Vells is back. He's putting his name out there for a, for a 14 spot. Or potentially, if JC has that 14 spot, he couldn't even say no to Chrissy Randall being off the bench there as a you know utility forward with JC being the utility back. I really thought that Chris Randall showed out in that game. And uh, yeah, definitely gives my two points. And to cast everyone's minds back to Origin 2, where the Blues carried strictly two hookers, you simply can't do it in the modern game. You've got to have someone on the bench as a utility with versatility. Um, and Chris Randall, from what we saw there, is absolutely offering that. Some of his runs show me that he could be a great back rower or a lock for us if required. Or, of course, come on a hooker in his natural position as well. So really, really exciting game from Chris Randall. Easily my favorite of him in a Titans jersey so mm. far. For my two points, I went Moeki Fotiwaka. He had 200-plus metres and 32 tackles backing up from Origin. Uh, Mo is a player who is with... Uh, he's getting his dues this year, and it's well overdue. No pun intended. Um, but it's it's He's getting recognition, but he absolutely deserves it, right? It's um, it's nothing 
I guess, no smoky, nothing like you've gone there with your two, which is a very great pick, by the way. Um, I'm just going to go straight down the barrel. Mo's been awesome for this for us this year. I've shown him a lot of love. I'm going to keep showing him a lot of love. So Moeki Fotuaka gets my two points. For my one, I went with Phil Sammy. 22 runs for 222 meters. Now, looking into this a little bit further, our team only had 181 runs in that game. Mo had 22 and Phil had 22. So that means one out of every four runs we had, one every four was one of those boys through the whole game. And, and Mo's subbing off at times as well, keep in mind. So um, insane, very insane work rate from our winger. We appreciate you a lot, Phil. I feel like you were starting every set for us very, very well in this game. So Phil gets my one point. Who gets yours? Yeah, I want to give a couple of honourable mentions here. One to Phil Sammy, who did the dirty work at the back. You know, really came out of the line strong and really happy with how that one worked out. I find it crazy that despite how good he was, he it just isn't able to to lock down a 3-2-1 here in Alofiana Camprera, who, you know, was fantastic down that left-hand side. They really exposed uh, Selwyn Cabo and Tony Sags down that, that, that side. And four, and you could see... They nearly got an intercept early that he was trying to push that pass because uh, they obviously knew something was out there that was able to be locked down upon. And uh, nearly it was intercepted by someone Cabo, which really would have set up a poor game for us realistically. But he knocked that ball on and they continued to go down that side. And I really uh, thought Loffy had a, had a good game there. And again, we didn't actually concede any points really. Did we concede any points out in his wing? I don't think we did, did we? I don't think Cobo scored from memory. Yeah, Cobo didn't score. So, no, uh, absolutely not. So, again, and that, that would obviously show that the defense was was on par as well. So, I think that he deserves a shout-out. Uh, but it does have to go to Moeki Fodawake. And I think it's, you know, he could have easily got the two there as well. But Fodawake, uh, we had him on an interview on the on the vlog. And he's just such a lovely man. And, and the way that he goes about his business is impeccable. And 200-plus run meters is phenomenal against a massive team in the Brisbane Broncos. You know, they've got Payne Haas. They've got Tom Flegler in that game. Uh, you know, they've got Paddy Carrigan. You've got Jordan Ricky. Like, it is a big uh, four-pack there. And to, I, I really think that for Fodawaker to go out there week in, week out, after a, a, a Origin game on the Wednesday as well, I know he didn't play an incredible amount of minutes. But, again, that is just another a game that he's had in that short time span. And I don't know, I'm really, I'm loving what Fodawake is bringing this year to rejuvenate from a club down year in last year. Yeah, I love how you said it a club down year because it's easy when the club's not playing their best to pick individuals' performances. But we had a lot of players not at their best because collectively as a team, we weren't at our best. Love the call of Lofi there. He burned Cobo so many times on the outside. It was brilliant. Only thing I wish was his uh, second try wasn't called back. I was spewing, I was up oh, on the feet all the way. Yeah, That would have brought his run meters to over 300 as well because that would have been 100 meters to his already 205, I think it was. So. Well, that was absolutely 100% game over if, if that doesn't get... Like, it was the right call, though. BK does get a little bit of a touch there, yeah. a little bit of a nick. But overall, it was a fantastic play there. But when Lofty gets away, you're not going to be able to stop him. You're not going to be able to get to him. He is a speedster and a half. You know, I'd love to see him in a race with, you know, Adam Carr and Jason Saab and Xavier Coates and all these kind of guys. It would be such a good race with him. Uh, Alofiana Khan Pereira. So, yeah, look, that was unfortunate that I got called back because that was the game right there. That would have been game over. Yeah, and it would have been sick to see a winger with over 300 metres for us. That would have been awesome. Uh, but, yeah, that is our 3 2 ones and our recap of the game against the Broncos. It's time to... Well, we've got one more review from Queensland Cup. Then we'll look forward to our NRL game. Uh, so, we'll go around the grounds here. Now, usually we would recap two games in this section. We've only got one to recap. Of course, Bears defeated Tweed. 36 to 22. So both of our feeder clubs going at it. 
And for me, this one kind of went to expectation if you look at just where they're at the ladder right now. Burley move into first place with that win, and Tweed still remain in the top eight, eighth. And, you know, you probably get that vibe from the scoreline there. We had plenty of players in this game. Kinney, Spry, Francis, Mamalo, Weaver, Sexton, Leeming, Vuna, and Arlick all playing. So great representation across both sides. Uh, I'll go through the stats here for Tweed. So uh, Spry and Kinney lined up against each other at fullback. Kinney got the better of Spry in this one, I would say. Kinney had 304 running meters and three line breaks. Awesome. Uh, young Tony Francis, he got a try there. But he was awesome as well, as did Arlick who's building quite a little impressive record there. Nine tries from his 13 games this year. Uh, but yeah, that's how our Burley boys went. Over to you to tell us how our Tweed boys went in this one. Yeah, look, obviously Spry got the one try and 155 metres and four tackle breaks, which you can't you know, say no to. That is still a monumental effort there by Tremaine. And Weaver with the try, try assist in 90 metres. Uh, that's for anyone who isn't aware. Tommy Weaver is an up-and-coming 5'8". Uh, for the Titans there, uh, Toby had three from four goals and a try assist. Uh, and, and Joey Verner got 69 metres and 20 tackles in 51 minutes. So, yeah, look, as you said, a lot of NRL talent from our Gold Coast Titans team there. Uh, the Bears do come out in the top. And as you said, it does represent the ladder positioning there. And as to go over the ladder positioning, the Bears are on top with 26 points. They are now two points clear of the uh, South Logan Magpies. Actually, let's just go quickly have a look here to see what happened there? Because South Logan must have lost. They did. They got beaten badly by the North Devils. They lost 40-6 to to the North Devils. So that now helps the differential comparison. The Bears have a plus 150, whilst the Magpies also now have a plus 150. So they've really, they've tied it up there, which is phenomenal effort there. And the Devils are 11th place, and they were in 12th. Yeah. So that is a big, crazy You uh, know what shocked there. me there? What? The, the Norse were Broncos feeder club. But when they aligned with the Dolphins, Broncos had a sook and took all their players out. Oh. So they all their feeder players now play for Lo South Logan Magpies. So the Devils have said, stuff you. If you want to take our players, we don't need them. We'll pump you anyway. And that's exactly what they've done. So that's a brilliant result for, uh, for Norths there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, Wade, that is a big shock there. And, and as I said, Bears now go top of the table on their own individual points. And that's fantastic. Well, Seagulls there. They're still in the top eight, though. They're just above the Sunshine Coast Falcons. In ninth position, they're on 18. The Falcons are on 17. And the Seagulls have 71-plus points differential, which is better than the Capras, who are above them. Not as good as the Dolphins, uh, by only about 16 points there. The Pride, Northern Pride, are on minus 35 and in fifth, which is pretty insane. Uh, plus 88 there for the Tigers. So their points differential is very, very comparis comparatively to anyone from the East Tigers in fourth downwards there. Uh, but Wynnum, Manly Seagulls, Magpies, and Bears are all in the vicinity of too, too far out, plus 70 more than them with 168 and 150. The Wynnum, Manly Seagulls are actually in third with the best for and against in the, uh, in the game. So yeah, a lot going on there. Seagulls are in a battle for the eight, and the Bears are currently in a three-way go for that, um, for that number one position. And just to quickly go over who they play this week, the Bears do take on the Sunshine Coast Falcons, who are in ninth position, and that is at UAA Park on the Gold Coast. And the Tweedhead Seagulls will take on the North Devils after that big win at Bishop mm. Park in Brisbane. So that's a huge game there for the Seagulls to win, especially considering the Devils are only four points behind them, so only two wins just back there. Yeah, I guess to recap it, our players are all playing great in, in reserve grade at the moment. Our reserve grade star of the week has to be Keanu Kinney with the 304 metres there mm. and three line breaks. Um, but yeah, plenty of players that are saying to our new coaches, pick me, I want an opportunity, which is awesome. 
onto our current injury list. No new injuries to report there. Uh, all good. fit and healthy, unfortunately, uh, except for Bo Firma, which we're all tracking at this stage. Our team list review. Let's look forward to this week. For the Raiders, they will be without Josh Papali'i. He has a hamstring injury, so Pasami Solo moves into their starting side, and Arthur Mariota joins their bench. No other changes for them. Big for us, though, no Josh Papali'i. For us, just the one change as well. Tino Fa'asuamala'awi comes back into the side, so big Jimmy moves back to the bench, and of course that means Isaac makes way. No issues at all for Kieran Foran. He is uh, fully healthy, ready to go from that toe injury. Um, yeah, I guess the, the only really talking point we have from these team lists uh, relatively settled is no Josh Papali'i. We know that helps us. We don't need to break that down. So let's jump straight into our preview. We're up against the Raiders, Saturday, 3 p.m., Joyo Stadium. Can't wait for this one, partly because of the game, but mainly because we'll be together at the game, which is Yeah, exciting. yeah, but, like, it's going to be cold. <laughs> it's going to be cold. Down. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's true. Very, very true. It wasn't that cold today in Canberra, which is... Yeah, that's... No, 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 no. You're not going to find it as cold as we mm. on the Gold Coast are going to find it cold. Like, for us, cold is like 15, 16 degrees, man. Like, I was on the phone last night and I was saying, oh, maybe I should go and have a look to see what the weather's like in, in Canberra right now. And when we're saying, like, zero, minus one kind of deal, it ended up being seven, but it said it felt like three. So, and th- and if you're not saying it's not that cold right now, well, then gee whiz, man. These boys are used to going for a surf at Burley and, and Snapper Rocks. We can't surf in Canberra because there's only ski fields, and that's a very different story. So, it'll be interesting to see from that hot day on Sunday at Suncorp Stadium to going down to this really cold weather Canberra. At least it is a day game, as you mentioned to me before. Yeah, the weather at the moment has it at uh, 13 degrees on Saturday, 1 degrees at the lowest, so a <laughs> bit, of, bit of a margin there. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. When I used to uh, come home, and when I still do come home and I come back, it's a, it's a different sort of cold, but particularly when I first moved to Canberra when I wasn't used to it. Uh, but let's jump into the game. Straight away, my mind goes to the Raiders' style of play and, and how they play, and it really does remind me of how we played against the Broncos last week. It's tough, it's gritty, it ain't pretty, but it's sustained over 80 minutes. And that's exactly what we need to do as well. Which, if we cast our mind back to our last Canberra trip, we failed to do so. I think. We oh my God, really? And we just didn't <laughs> play out uh, the full 80 minutes there. So that's my key straight away, Blaze. I think that we need to match it with them. We, we don't need to be flashy. We just need to be prepared to work as hard as we did last round, maybe even a little bit harder for 80 minutes. And I think that puts us in good stead against the Raiders side, missing Josh Papali'i. Do you see it that well? Do you see it that way as well? Sorry, and uh, do you have any other keys to victory? Yeah, I think that it's always when you think of Canberra, you think of forwards. You never really think of their backs, and their backs—they do have a decent backline. It's nothing crazy out of this world, but they have a decent backline. However, I do think that we can exploit the lack of pace from a Jared Croker when we've got a lot of pace on our team. And I don't think the Raiders are really known for their pace. You've got an aging Jordan Rapana, Jared Croker as well. Mate Tomoko is a really, really solid player. Like he's just a he's just built, man. Really built. I love him. I think he's underrated. But it's not exactly that fast. And Alba Hopawade, I, I think that we really can utilize the speed of guys like Lafayette Campera, Philip Sami, who don't get that who doesn't get the uh, same amount of speed 
thought process that all the fans have. But yeah, he's chased down Josh on a car before. And I think that our centers of Aaron Shop and Brian Kelly can really match it with them. So I think that our back line, and I've got AJ Brimdog, millionaire over Sebastian Chris's too. So I really do like our, our back line there. But again, it really comes down to the forwards when you think about Canberra because they are a tough, tough team, especially in that cold fortress of GIO Stadium. Uh, and, and they are coming off a really good win as well against the, the Roosters there. So, yeah, look, uh, Maliki Fodawaka, Tinefatsu Malawi against Tarpane and Pasami Saulo. You've got to go with the two Queensland representatives there of, of Tina and Mo. And especially now that Tina's had a rest as well, have the origin. And now he's going to be back in ready to rock and roll and, and really rejuvenate this team. Not even rejuvenate, sorry, just really force this consistency into the team. Because that is huge, which pushes Jimmy to the bench, who... Jimmy is a deserved starter, but he's just so good off the bench there as well. So I love those two forwards there. Sammy Verrills against Zach Wolford. Verrills is the most underrated hooker in the competition. There is no surprise that once Sam Verrills leaves, the Roosters have gone downhill massively. Sam Verrills is so key, and a lot of Roosters fans are starting to come to terms with this. I said this preseason as well. You don't see it with Sam Verrills, but it's absolutely there. It is absolutely 100% there, and I saw that against the Broncos he just is uh, the reason this team is able to pick itself back up and just keep on going without being that star player. You go to the back row of Hudson Young and Elliot Whitehead against Dave Feeder and Joey Stimson. Again, for me, I still believe that Stimson should be a rotated uh, front row middle option. I think he's very good in that situation. I'm not the biggest of fans of him in the back row, but again, we don't really have, we don't have Khalees Haas now. Isaac Fasson Malawi is uh, on the, no, he's not on the bench this week uh, because we've been able to do a few things there. But look, I think that uh, Joe Stimson, he has that big moment in him still, and there's no way you can tell me he doesn't have a really high work rate. Uh, it hasn't been necessarily working for him, I guess, defensively. But again, we saw in the preseason what he can do in that middle rotation. So I would love to see him there. But David Feeder really, really does pick it up there for the back rowers. And I, I think that that is an even battle there between an aging Whitehead and Hudson Young, who is a similar player for Feeder, but not at that caliber. And then Isaac Leo and Corey Horsburgh. Horsburgh's having a fantastic season. So I am a little bit worried about that one. But overall, you can't tell me that this Titans forward pack should be absolutely slapped down by Canberra's. You can't. I believe we've got one of the better forward packs in the game. And then, again, you bring on, for them, they've got... Adam Mariotta, Emre Gula, Tom Starling, and Nick Cottridge compared to a massive Aaron Clark, a massive Jimmy Jolliffe, and Chris Randall, who had an absolutely outstanding game against the Broncos in the in the back row. So, you know, if Joey Simpson isn't exactly feeling it, or if Isaac's not feeling it, or just anybody, you can just throw him in there and he can do the job. So I'm really looking forward to this, and I think this game will be won through the forwards because I know that Tanner Boyd and Kim Ford are really starting to work well together as well and can direct our pack around. I'm really confident since Josh Papali he's been ruled out. He doesn't have the best stats for them every week, but certainly he's still the like the spiritual leader, if you will, of their forward pack. They all get behind Josh, um, and he does lead them around the field there. Corey Horsburgh, I do wonder with the news of Thomas Flegler, does he have uh, one eye looking forward towards Origin? The Is Origin, there an yeah. opportunity for us? He actually didn't know about the news. I messaged him today on Instagram, and I actually shown him the news. Really good guy. The first thing he said was, oh, that sucks for Flegler. I hope he recovers and he's okay soon. So really good guy, <laughs> Corey Hall's yeah. there. Um, but yeah, he didn't know it, but he is definitely in frame for Origin at the moment. Went through and, and had a look at the stats here. Uh, we're completing at 78.1% this year. They're literally 0.1 ahead of us. Nothing there. We do average 5.4 more tackle breaks per game than them. So we will have a few more opportunities there, it seems. But we then do average 2.6 more missed tackles per game. 
and 0.4 more errors. Now, the stats there are so close that I almost dismissed them. Um, the stat that I'm most interested in isn't in this classical stats. It's on the ladder. And their points differential is actually worse than us at the moment. So Why I a decent bit too. Yeah, they're like minus 98 or something because they've, they've been thumped one I think, one yeah, you, you keep going, I'll go check. Yeah, they have been thumped uh, in a game or two, but their wins have all been by two points and very, very tight margins this year. So I, I personally don't think it's a coincidence that they are winning these tight games, but it could be a case where people are viewing the Raiders as a better side than they are because they're getting away with so many of these tight victories where if only one or two go the other way, they're outside of the eight and we're in the eight at the moment. So um, how, how'd you go with that points differential? Well, I believe ours is like minus 20 or something and there's minus 90. So we're in ninth with the points differential of minus 27 and we're on 20 points there uh, alongside the Rabbitohs and the Eels. But the Rabbitohs and Eels have a plus 74 and a plus 132. Eels sneaking under the radar there. The Raiders are then on 22 points with a minus 69 points differential. Now, the interesting thing here that I've seen is that the Raiders have scored 314 points. We've scored 332 points. So we've scored 18 more points in the season. And then defensively speaking, they've given up 383 points. We've given up 359. So for everyone saying that we have this absolutely despicable defense and we should get you know beaten pretty well here by the Raiders down there in Canberra. It's just stats statistically not showing that because the Raiders give up more points than the Titans who have had our issues with defense. They've given up more points than us this season. You know, so yeah. it just shows that this game should be absolutely close, but it does lean in favor of our team. If you want to give them the favoritism because they're at home and because they are in sick, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that I just don't know that uh, the Raiders are a sustainable team in that top eight. We are coming home strong. They might be coming home strong too. But again, the stats do slightly favor us in regards to the four and the against there with them being minus 69 and us minus 27 and everything in our favor. Yeah, I think no matter how you cut the ham, this is going to be a really, really tight game in this one. Uh, I think we have a little bit of a wild card though. And it's not someone that's playing for us, but it's in Brett White. Uh, the fact that he built their defensive structure that they still implement to this day. I haven't noticed anything too different with the way Canberra plays this year. And he does know all their players inside out, having coached them since like 2015 or something. So um, he's been with that club for over half a decade. He's built their structure. So potentially a chance for Brett to give us some real exclusive insight and maybe pick out some weaknesses um, in how they go about it. But my final tip, I'm actually really confident we win here. I, I think we win 13 plus. Wow. And as for tries... I, I like anyone in our back line. As you said, some of their outside backs don't have the speed we have, but I'd be prepared to go both our wingers. I'd say Titans 13+, plus, Sammy, and Alofiana Khan Pereira score. I'm, I'm quietly confident about this one. Uh, any final points from you, and, and what's your final tip for this one? Yeah, we don't usually win big, man. So I know we beat the Tigers by 14 there, but we don't usually win big, so... It's a big, bold call down there in cold Canberra, but with that being said, I definitely believe that Player by player, we should be winning this, actually. I, I, I would say that we should be winning it. Whether we win it or not is another question in itself, but I really believe that we should be winning it. And last year, as we spoke about, we did take that big lead at half time, and, and then we fell apart in the second half. We've, obviously, it seems like we've lost that second half syndrome. It, 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 and hopefully, we can just motor on here, because it didn't happen against the Tigers. It didn't happen against the Broncos. And the Broncos are a much more dangerous and lethal team than the Raiders. With all due respect to the Raiders, it's just a fact that the Broncos are in second. They've scored 368 points and given up only 281 there. So uh, 
I'm not anywhere near as worried about this trip as I was to going to Suncorp. I do still think that the Canberra Raiders are a very gritty, as we said before, gritty, tough team to break down. And I do believe it'll be close. But I am confident in the win, as you are. And I will go 1-12 there. I think that we can win by six points uh, down there at Geo Stadium. And uh, we'll be singing over the Gold Coast right at the end of it. Oh, I can't wait for that. But yeah, just quickly, I've just got to bring up our, our last game there. I've just got up the stats here. So we didn't score again after the 35th minute. and that's oh. that. But I think we're a much more mature side than that now. We went into halftime 22-4. And that's why I've got the confidence that we can actually win by 13-plus here. We've shown last year that our style works well against the Raiders with our attacking footy. And, and for that reason, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't it. jinx anything. But if I'm giving a tip, I am going to take us 13-plus. Love the confidence. It's at this man. point of the show, we'll move to our Q&A section. So if you're new here, the best way to get a question in is either via BKR Sports on his Instagram story or via our Facebook group, which is the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Um, you can request to join there and we will let you in. Our first question today for us, BKR, is from Zach Glancy. And he says, what's the atmosphere at training like? Are the boys happy to play under Des Hasler? I can't provide any insight on that, so completely over to you because I know you're at most trainings, is it, or at least a couple a week? Yeah, I get to trainings. I get to as many trainings as I possibly can to. I can't get to every single one of them, obviously, but uh, I haven't been able to because this has been only very, very fresh, right? So there was meant to be a training the day that the uh, Justin Holbrook Des Hasler news dropped, and uh, obviously that didn't go ahead, as we're, we're very well aware of the reason for that. I wasn't able to go uh, until now it's Tuesday, so we've had the rest day yesterday. There would have been one today. Actually, there might be one tomorrow, so I'll have to get in touch to make sure of that one. But with that being said, I did speak to the boys afterwards. On the vlog, we had Mo talk about it. We had Aaron Schuppi, Schuppmeister. We had uh, JC, who didn't make it because some man put a tractor on him behind, so I wasn't able to put that on the vlog. But mm-hmm. I, I also spoke to Isaac Fasul Malawi, and um, there was one more there. We did five. Uh, Tanner Boyd as well. So we got I got the uh, impression from them that obviously everyone's sad about Justin Holbrook. We're sad because we know him as a, as a man, and we know that he's a good bloke, and we had a good relationship with him. And the players, they all loved him. But they also are under the impression and the awareness that we do have to keep on going. This is a business and we're going to trust the organization as Shuppie did say in the interview. You just got to trust the process and, and move through it. So yeah, everyone is disappointed for how it has come to be, but they're also understanding of what's to come in the future and that we have to just back in the organization and back in the process. So not word for word, can I tell you, Yes, they're happy with Des Hasler, but I think that they're welcoming of Des Hasler. Yeah, welcoming of Des Hasler and trusting. I think that's the most thing, trusting that our club executives are making the right calls. That's great to hear. Our next question comes from Brody Camp. He says, how important are the re-signings of Joel Verrills and Randall? I mean, just uh, to start this, I'll just give uh, you know some words on each man. Jimmy Joloff is so important to us. We've seen since he's come back what he's capable of now starting and coming off the bench in the Tigers and Broncos games. I've been a big fan of Jimmy Jola for a long time now. Won the premiership in New South Wales Cup with the Newtown Jets. Come up and trialed with us. Nothing but a trial and worked so hard. We had to give him a contract. Since that point, I've absolutely loved him at our club. Sam Verrills came up to us this year after winning a premiership, an NRL premiership, where he scored first for the Sydney Roosters in 2019. And he has just fitted into our club so well. I think he's one of the most, you said it, he's one of the most underrated, fantastic attack. 
And Chris Randall, I would say the opposite of. I think he is one of the best defenders in the competition. Mm. I love what he's about. I love how he has come to the club under a trade circumstance where some of our fans were unsure whether we need him, whether we want him even. And Chris has kept his head down, worked so hard that now Titans fans all see how important, how valuable he is to his club. So for me, all super important. And I hope I gave the lads there a little bit of justice in some words on each of them. But over to you to answer that question there from Brody. Yeah, look, it's it's massive. And the thing that I mainly look towards is the club culture and the fact that players want to play for us and they want to stay here. You know, there would have been clubs that would have liked to have come in, especially for a guy like Sammy Verrills there. You know, Chris Randall, he came to this club as, you know, as a second chance, realistically, because it wasn't necessarily working out for him at Newcastle. No one really saw him as that guy. But our fans do seem as that guy. We know what he is now capable of, and he's really obviously flourishing under our system. And I've really appreciated what he's done this year. So, and then with Jimmy Jolliffe, it's it's just so obvious what he brings in the preseason. He was running for over two hundred meters. You know, we saw we we can see the impact that he's having in these last two games from coming back. You got to remember, for the first part of this season, we didn't have Sam Verrills, and we also didn't have Jimmy Jolliffe. The only one of these three, Chris Randall was playing and he was playing really well because of Sam Verrills being out. And now we're starting to see that Chris Brown can also play multiple positions there. So yeah, it's very, very integral to see that we signed Tino, we signed Dave, we've signed JC, you know, we've got the Brimdog Millionaire, we've got uh, Jimmy Doloff now, we've got Sammy Verrills, and we've also got Chrissy Randall. And, and players are going to continue to sign because they want to play for us. The only time that they're not going to probably sign is when the club believes that there is a better option to take in another direction. And again, we know Desi Hassel's coming in next year, and he is going to have a thought process on what players he wants to play for his club. So he would have had a say in this kind of deal, and they're happy to play underneath him. So yeah, look, I'm I'm excited for the future. It's great to see that players want to play for the Gold Coast and aren't just going to take another option that they can, not use this as a stepping stone, because that is three years away. That's three years away. People, that is a long time. And as you've seen with the Ben Hunt saga... Contracts are not easy to get out of, right? They're just simply not easy to get out of. People are always like, oh, contracts, this, contract, this. Why bother having contracts when they're so easy to get out of? They're obviously not because the Dragons have refused to release it. Now, I think that's till the end of the year. But the fact of the matter is we're not getting into that situation again. The fact of the matter is these guys want to play for us. So it's massive for the club. Let's build towards the premiership. Yeah, you're right. We won't get into that situation at all. But Ben, when you do touch down on the Gold Coast, be calm. I'll be there to roll out a red <laughs> carpet to your private jet and welcome you. <laughs> To the uh, to Surface Paradise Cavill Avenue with a big night there. No, I'm just joking. No, we're but, going uh, Burley, bro. No one goes Surface. If you're from the Gold Coast, you ain't going nowhere near Surface. You don't <laughs> want right, to get near we'll that place. <laughs> we're welcome to the Burley Pavilion instead. I've heard that's a, a, a good one. Prince of Palmy Final right question. There. Oh, yeah. Final question from uh, Jai Jesus Christ, a very interesting username <laughs> there on Instagram. Um, very creative, Jai. Very creative. Um, but we appreciate your question. He says, with a lot of Titans boys hanging around till 2026, do you see any new combos brewing? I don't necessarily see any new ones brewing, but I think that the combination of Foran and Fafita with another year will only continue to become more dangerous. The only really, I guess, final combination I have a question mark over is how we use JC and Brimo moving forward. Mm. And I'm not too sure yet. And I won't know until Des has the comes in and kind of makes some indications around preseason. But as it currently stands, I think that really is our last combination question because they're both so talented. They both should start. But how do we get that combo to work that's the best fit for the entire 17? 
Um, and I just don't think we, we're quite sure on the answer of that just yet, but it's a great problem to have if nothing else. But yeah, what about yourself? Do you see any new combinations starting to brew up? Fun fact for you on that, there is rumours circulating around the, the Gold Coast Titans groups that Desi Hasler actually touched down on the Gold Coast yesterday. So he's uh, he's looking around, starting to you know prepare for the preseason and, and getting them going and obviously uh, have private meetings with the, with the boys. So good to see. If that is the case, good to see that he's already starting to make his move here and, and really prepare for our, our premiership push that is incoming. Or what you say on your uh, Facebook posts, Flexing our premiership muscle, as uh, the old Clarky loves to say. Damn, Hook, people love line, that. And <laughs> every time, bro. <laughs> I just throw it out, and every time I get bites, it's brilliant for my algorithm. Yeah, it is brilliant for the algorithm, man. I love it. I really, I really do. Um, but yeah, look to to go back over that. I think that. There's no real necessarily combos brewing there, based off of the players we have. But I think that if I'm gonna, uh, we did speak about this briefly on the coaching emergency podcast on Thursday was I think Brimo could really shine under the likes of Desi Hasler. He knows how Tommy Jabojevic had that 2021 season. He was, you know, the instigator behind it, you know, really helped him to become the man he, he could. So I think that Brimo can really, you know, turn it on here with this, um, with this system that Desi's obviously going to bring there. Again, yeah, as Clarkie said, it's going to be interesting to see how JC gets on there. Uh, and we're probably going to see, well, there is already rumours now. We're not going to talk about that, actually. But we're probably just going to see... I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard. That's a really difficult question to, to answer, man, because we don't know how much Desi is really going to want to change this team because this team is this close. We've been saying all season long, they're 30 minutes away from winning a premiership, meaning they're 30 minutes away from genuinely contending. And I don't think that Des is going to come in and tear it all up. I don't think he's going to start afresh. He knows there's something building here. That's why he's come. He could have gone to a club in Sydney. He didn't. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm just really excited to see what he could bring this club and to get us to that next step because he has won a premiership before. And even into the prelim in 2021 there with Tommy T. So yeah, look, it's, uh, it's exciting times. I can't tell you necessarily what combos will brew, but... Kieran Foran, underneath Desi Hasler again. How about it? Yeah, changes to come potentially, so it makes it tough to answer. But to our questions this week from Zach, Brody, and Jai. We'll just keep it at Jai. (laughs) (laughs) We we appreciate it, guys. And that is the time where we will close our show, guys. We've recapped last week. We've looked forward to the future, and we'll be back next week to do it all over again. So from myself, thank you very much for being here, and I'll hand it over to Blaze now to wave us off goodbye yeah we appreciate you guys as always if you're listening on spotify apple or you're watching us here on youtube if you aren't here on youtube hit that thumbs up button and subscribe comment below if you've got a question for next week's episode we will obviously go through it as well so if you've got you know if you're on facebook group with the gold coast titans frontline podcast facebook group or you're on instagram or you're uh here on youtube do drop a comment below so that we can see it for next week and try and include that one uh we again it's it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal season to come. You know, we've got a lot of home games. We're within the eight contention and really pump up behind this team. I'm going to be at every single game with you guys this season. So I'm really excited. Obviously, Clark and myself will be there in Canberra, uh, cheering up a storm, getting behind these boys. And I just really need you guys to focus, despite all the distractions, really focus on what this team is doing, trying to provide. And they're obviously showing a direction with all the players re-signing and locking down for the future years. So yeah, we appreciate 
appreciate you guys as always. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, you'll see the vlog on Monday. And go the Titans, baby. Let's crack it, baby. Let's spoil that milk. Get that milk out of here. Go the Titans. Go the Titans. Canberra, you've got spoiled milk and your Viking club sucks. Go the Titans. <laughs>